damn it, how long have we been doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life, it's episode 204, it is July 4th, 2019, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, it's a holiday week, but still, so much to talk about. And so many things that we can't talk about. It's a new era in WWE television this week, and Monday Night Raw's ratings rebounded 9%, and we're up big among teenage viewers this week. First show of the Paul Heyman era. I guess we had some questions answered. More questions still unresolved. And I guess Eric Bischoff was at SmackDown this week, but I don't really expect to see his thumbprints uh, on the product until uh, the first show after the pay-per-view. So um, we're going to focus this talk mostly on Monday Night Raw. And uh, Raw was certainly... A show. <laughs> Some stuff happened. Yeah, there were big explosions in the first 10 minutes. Uh, Corey Grames. Grames. That's his new name. Corey Grames. Corey Grames uh, screened an expletive. Sure did. Um, they said the word hospital on WWE television twice. How about that? Uh, I think it, Renee got a fine for that. Yeah, probably. Um Michael Cole was using his very serious uh this is a very serious situation voice. What'd you think of the uh, the big angle that kicked off raw? I mean it was it was memorable. It's probably the I mean, if you look at historically what worked in getting Braun Strowman over over these past few years is doing big wacky stunts, right? Yeah. And that's what they did, and it was a big moment and they replayed it all throughout the show, and when wrestlers were being interviewed during this show, they all kept bringing it up and like wishing the guys well. That was so, hilarious to me. <laughs> I mean, it was funny, but this is that's something I remember when Heyman was almost going to go to TNA years ago. Him talk, I remember him talking about in in his world that like all the wrestlers would be if something really big and important was happening on the show everybody needed to be talking about it, even if they had other storylines going on. So that, that stood out to me as a, a Heyman touch, but <laughs> I, I, I thought it was funny when Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch said they were pulling for Bob <laughs> and Braun to, to get better. I mean, to me, the highlight of the show was when they asked Becky Lynch whether Seth was impulsive and she, <laughs> she just made noises for 30 seconds. Mm. Yeah, that was... They have like negative on-screen chemistry, by the way. Can we talk about that? Let's talk about why they're pairing them. It, it's no, there can't be a good reason that they're pairing them on television. It's like there's part of me that's like, oh, this feels a little bit fresh, and the dynamic is a little bit different and modern because Becky's the man in the relationship. 
Um, you know, that's cool, whatever. But I also don't trust this group of people to tell a uh, to break new ground when telling a story, when telling a wrestling story. The only story that I trust WWE created to tell is one that involves a big stinky giant on the road to WrestleMania. <laughs> um, so I, re- I really don't, I don't trust why they've put the two of them together. I don't know if they're trying to break them up in real life. Uh, I just think it it really hurts Becky. It doesn't help Seth. And I have no idea why they're doing this. I think it's just because, like, it's the two big stars are dating in real life. How could we not make it a storyline? Sure. And there's, like, and there's a little bit of, like, them leaning into, like, internet, Twitter, Stan coupling culture, too, I think. All right, I'm, I'm like there's a certain breed of rest of fan of any sort of Whoa. uh fictional show that really likes the idea of certain characters like being together as a couple on screen mm. and maybe this is somewhat directed at them. We're really narrow casting now if that's <laughs> if that's the case. We're, yeah. we're we're playing to fan fiction writers a little bit. And yeah, maybe it's more just, hey, it's the biggest women's star and our biggest male star, and they're dating in real life, so let's put them together on TV. But yeah, I mean, hopefully it's, they get to, you know, they get a little space after this this uh, this mixed tag. All right, so other things on Raw. Still no wrestling during commercial breaks. <laughs> it's really... Screws with the flow of the show. Uh, they still send medical facility instead of hospital 47 times. <laughs> so I think that answers uh, one of the many questions we asked uh, on our weekend show about whether or not Paul is going to have f- full autonomy. Clearly the answer is no. No. Yeah, you're still not allowed to wrestle during commercials. Because, well, just because... And yeah, you you still got to say certain words, certain ways. You still, uh, I I mean, there's there was certainly some there was a fresh coat of paint on this, but it's yeah, it's still the same structure. I'll just speak broadly about the show and say that the three hours did not drag as much as they usually drag, but I was not particularly a fan of this show. Oh yeah, I'm, I don't. I wouldn't say it was a good show, but <laughs> it was less boring than many Raws that I've watched in the past year. It wow. kept it. It moved very quickly. There's a lot of like you broke up with a lot of like quick interviews. The Street Profits were just bouncing around backstage for some reason, and uh, you know, diff, uh, the the show long storyline of of AJ and Ricochet leading to AJ turning at the end of the show, I thought was, was pretty well done and felt different than they usually do when they're telegraphing a a heel turn from somebody. So we've been talking about, they need a bunch of new heels. And the only problem with that is that you have to have, when you're building a heel, you have to have them beat some baby faces on the way up and they don't have any over baby faces. So the way, the only way you can do that now is you have to turn some guys uh, you've been banging the drum about the need for fresh heels. They got AJ Styles. I don't know if that's what I would do, but that's what they did. What do you think about turning AJ? I think he was the best option. 
of what they have on, on Raw right now. Um, and putting him with the club is fine. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was... I thought of all... I mean, if it wasn't AJ, who do you turn? Like, it's it's either you, you turn somebody or you call somebody up, I think, and... For the moment, at least, they're not they're not calling up Adam Cole or Matt Riddle or Keith Lee or or somebody that could potentially fill that role. So, yeah, I get to me AJ was the best choice. The other big angle on Raw involved uh, my new candidate for the smartest person in wrestling, <laughs> Maria Canellas. And her husband Mike, a modern day Kevin Nash, that Maria. She's she's bright. Uh, so she and Mike signed five year deals a couple weeks ago, brand new five year deals, five hundred grand a year. <laughs> just just keep them for Mike Bennett. They're so scared of what Mike Bennett might do on AEW that we gave him a half a million dollars a year for five years. I think they're more afraid of what Maria would do, but yet they don't do anything with her by herself. <laughs> anyway, no. this is all very mind boggling, but yeah. So uh, to be clear, I don't know if it's 500 grand a piece or 500 grand for the pair, but regardless, <laughs> regardless, it's, it's, they, they have a 2.5 to $5 million uh, investment in these people. And yes, and Maria informed WWE after signing the new deal that she's pregnant. Brilliant. <laughs> so she's going to be off for about a year. You know, not pregnancies usually last about nine months. Generally. Nine, nine full months. And, you know, then you get a little uh, R&R time afterwards. So she's off for probably about the first year of, the, of this new five-year <laughs> deal. And it should have been a neon sign when we saw them on television on Raw this week that, wow, there's got to be something brewing here. And uh, they did a, um, a, a, a uh, I'm not going to use the word, but they, they did a, um, <laughs> they did a storyline where um, Maria <clears throat> uh, was, um, clearly the one in charge in her relationship with Mike and referred to Mike as her bitch. She did. And oh, I thought bitch was the word you didn't want to say. No, no, that's not the word. I'm trying. There's a, a C word that I'm trying to avoid saying. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so uh, I guess um, she's saying that uh, she should have had Becky impregnate her instead of Mike because Mike isn't man enough to impregnate her. And next time she's going to ask Becky and uh, she can't believe that Mike's the father of her children. And so I think WWE is mad at Maria. And so they decided to kill Mike Bennett's career on Raw <laughs> at uh, 10 o'clock on Monday. Yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> now, I, as not a fan uh, of Mike Mike. Canellis slash Bennett as a as a television character. Even I was like, "Wow, this is uh, <laughs> this is going a little far." This is uh, it's a uh, it's a very fascinating thing, and it's one of those things you could probably write 
like several chapters of a book about Vince McMahon on just the weird things he did with people after he paid them more money than some of us will see in our entire lifetimes. Uh, what he would pay those people just to then take them and try to embarrass them or insult them or whatever on live national television. Just, uh, just a fascinating thing this was. And, uh, but yeah, Maria, Maria looking like one of, if not the smartest person in wrestling currently. (laughs) So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure about anything, but (laughs) I think Mike was back on 205 Live on Tuesday. So they really did just bring him on Raw to embarrass him and then send him back. So they just wanted to make a point. I think so, yes. <laughs> All right, cool. Cool. What are we doing anymore? I don't know what we're doing anymore. <laughs> well, we got to kill time. And I guess they didn't want to do a physical angle between Becky and Seth and Lacey and Corbin. So they kept them apart and instead had Becky and Seth uh, do this. And Becky tapped out uh, Mike Canales with a a disarmor where she bent, where his elbow bent the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. That's, that was just kind of the cherry on the cherry on top of the Sunday. It looked like she was just kind of holding his wrist. Like she was giving him an Indian burn or something. Yeah. And he tapped to that. Yeah. Just, I think the, uh, the time to, have signed Mike Bennett and Maria as a duo was about five years ago, (laughs) five five to seven years ago. (laughs) Um, But I will say uh, at one point there was money in those two. And then when they arrived at on WWE television um, at money in the bank, I thought they did a, a, a good promo, a good first promo. And then Mike, like was wrestling Sami Zayn on SmackDown and his tights didn't fit right. And Mm -hmm. like his gut was hanging out. And he was, he was dealing with some (laughs) issues of his own, his own personal (laughs) issues at this point. Whatever, man. Like at that to me, like I can understand why they did, why they decided that they hated him when it's like, okay, this is your chance. This is your chance that you've been, (laughs) Begging for for five years, let's go. And he shows up with trunks that, with tights that don't fit, and not in the best shape of his career. And uh, you know, whatever, man. <laughs> they, they decided to kill him on live television this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was you, could, great. you could argue that it would have been less damaging to his career if they had actually fired a pistol <laughs> into it <laughs> at him. <laughs> <laughs> on live <laughs> and shot him it would have been less damaging to his career i you know and in this era if if they bury someone too deeply i think it begins to uh it might eventually backfire and maybe people will start feeling bad for him if they keep this up like as a weekly thing but if they just do this once and then he's just a job guy on 205 Live, nobody's going to care. <laughs> like, that's the best part is like they got all of their frustration out in one segment. And then, because if it's a weekly thing, eventually people will kind of turn on it and get behind him. But it's like, you just do it once. And then he's back to being a, you know, a no name on 205 Live. You're golden. All right. Um, so that's the big, uh, the big WWE TV news this week. Um, 
we're still in wait and see mode. On... Kevin Owens murdered Dolph Ziggler. Speaking of which, yeah, that was great. That was pretty. That was pretty awesome when he just buried him and told him that yeah, maybe it should have been you eight years ago, but it wasn't. So get over it. It's never going to be you again. That's like, thank you, Kevin, for that comment and for your great service to this country. Yeah. So um, he told the truth about him. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, uh, any work shoot stuff. No. He just went out there and told the truth about him and uh, murdered him. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And I think he might have turned, like, they might be turning Kevin back babyface. Mm. I'm not not 100% sure, but if you remember, they only really turned him in the first place because Brian got hurt. So yes. yes. It seems like they were doing a lot with, like, him being super annoyed with, uh, with Shane and uh, and Drew, and then of course with Dolph, and he's using the stunner again, which is not a move I would have a heel using. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll file that under wait and see. Uh, you watched Fighter Fest this past weekend. How was the show? It was a very watchable show. Now, to be fair, I did not watch the pre-show that seemed to get everybody's uh, dander up, so to speak. I know people, some people don't seem to like the librarian stuff. I think it's fine. You should have some comedy variety on your show. Whole show shouldn't be a comedy show, but you can have some goofy stuff on the pre-show. And then the, uh, the Michael Nakazawa match against with uh, Nakazawa against the, I don't know the man's name, the guy who puts on the, uh, the video game uh, uh, conference or convention. J- Jabroni, Jabali, something like that. Yes, Jabali, I believe. <laughs> Mike Jabali or something Mike, like that. Mike Jabroni. Yes. Uh, apparently that was really bad. Or It's like, well, it was an untrained wrestler against you know, a wrestler. So yes, I imagine that was bad. But like I said, the, the main show is like two and a half hours long. There was a good variety of style of professional wrestling Got your your big uh, hardcore thumbtacks, nails, tables, chairs, barbed wire main event with uh, Janella and Moxley. Had the the crazy spot, you know, just spot spots, you know, Lucha Fest with with uh, Laredo Kid and the Lucha Bros against uh, the Young Bucks and Kenny. And then Ty Dillinger wrapped a steel chair around Cody's head and cut him open with the lip of the chair, even though they apparently tried to gimmick it so it wouldn't really he wouldn't really be hitting him super hard with the chair. I don't know. Maybe just don't do unprotected things to your skull, even if you've you know gimmicked the chair. Maybe just don't do anything where you don't get your hands up. How about that? Sounds good to me. Uh, there were uh, New Japan shows in Australia this past weekend. I watched the only one that you could watch, which was on Fight TV or very early Saturday morning. Let me just say, I hate Fight TV. I hate the Fight app. I ordered the first All In on that app and then had to order it on television like a caveman because <laughs> I couldn't get it to play. And then on this one, uh, I watched on my PC, and there was a uh, the video feed cut out and missed the finish of the Rocky Romero El Fantasma match. So, hmm. uh, Fight TV can suck it. 
Also, <laughs> Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles had a match that was not as good as their match in the Best of the Super Juniors this year. Uh, but no one watched the Best of the Super Juniors match, and so people actually did watch this one, and were like, wow, that's the greatest Robbie Eagles-Will Osprey match of the year. And, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and no. you, the one man who watched the entire <laughs> Best of the Super Juniors, is just steaming mad about it? I'm, fu- I'm furious. <laughs> furious at fight, and I'm furious at everyone. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, it was a very good match. Go back and watch their match from last month. It was much better. Fair uh, so Eagles turned, right? He left yeah, the Bullet he, Club and joined Chaos. Yeah, he's in Chaos now. I I don't care. Um, <laughs> they just they have all these factions and they just they're not other the, than to to split people up to do the six man tags that open every show. What is the point? They used to mean something. They don't anymore. Um, yeah. Beyond the heel factions like Bullet Club and Suzuki Goon. Okay, it matters if you're in one of those two because we know you're a heel and you're going to cheat. Right. But as for the other stuff, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. So. Los Ingobernables has cool merch. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's valuable in that they are. Uh, they're clearly the most over babyface group. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a big drop off. It's like Okada, Osprey. I guess it's Tanahashi and Chaos now. They've blurred lines uh, so much in that everyone was teaming up to fight Bullet Club that right. they, they blurred all the lines on the babyface factions. And uh, yeah. We're doing so. the shades of gray with our babyface factions. Right. So Tanahashi's technically in Taguchi Japan, which is Taguchi's faction. Right, uh, but he teams with the chaos guys all the time. Right, thing I was there's a big drop off between like Okada, I guess Tanahashi, and then it's like Osprey and Rocky, and there's a. You know, I mean, Ishii's in like Ishii's in there, but yeah, they don't make they don't emphasize the the babyface um, loyalties as much as they do right. heels, so it doesn't matter. Whereas but, it feels like Los Ingobernables has like at least like some good stars at various levels. Yeah, there's a clear pecking order there. Everybody's over. They they keep them protected and booking, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, but generally speaking, uh, NJPW's uh, Australia shows were glorified house shows. And uh, very mad that they charged $25 on an, an app that I hate uh, for a glorified house show. So, Yeah, that was weird. I just don't even know why they bothered. But, like, other than they like money. I mean... <laughs> Because capitalism. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. But, hey, they got the G1 show coming this weekend. Yeah, I don't know how I could not be excited for a G1 show with Okada versus Tanahashi, other than the fact that I've been watching Tanahashi since he returned from elbow surgery, and he can't move. Yeah. He, He cannot move his legs. He can't run. He can't lift his arms. But he's still out there trying to do Tanahashi matches. I say I haven't watched as much Tanahashi as you have because you have to watch every New Japan show in its entirety. But what I've seen of Tanahashi is like he couldn't he could like he couldn't do a sling blade correctly. Yes, which is not like a high impact move. No, it just involves like moving uh, somewhat fluidly. Right, and he <laughs> he really couldn't do that, and that was like oh oh no. 
Yeah, he hasn't even tried one since either, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> maybe for the best. He can do a somersault senton off the second rope. Okay. <laughs> that's you about all he can't. <laughs> that's about all he can do at this point. Yeah, it's 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 going to be sad. Like he shouldn't be in the G1. Like Oh, hell no. No, he should be taking 6 months off. He should come back and, you know, build to a match at Tokyo Dome. Yeah, that's that's really easy. At least take the tournament off. And like do a tag match on the last night on the finals night, and then yeah, do <laughs> go away for a little while, a bit longer. Do right, do tags here and there, and then get your program ready for for Wrestle Kingdom. Jeez, yeah. So G One kicks off uh, with a block on Access TV, a station that no one gets uh, <laughs> this weekend. Um, the Mark Cuban network yeah they're negotiating with impact too so must be really smart let's say you know they're smart when they when they think impact is a good idea i had to watch an impact a few weeks ago it was really bad two different <laughs> men showed their bare asses well no it was, they actually both had underpants on but okay. two, guys had, two guys had their pants fall down on the same show and when <laughs> they were not planned they were not planned spots <laughs> awesome and then uh it was a tape show it was yeah, it was a tape show. There were live cutaways during the commercial breaks though on Twitch to Don Callis, who was live somewhere in Canada. Uh, he's supposed to be there to give shout outs to guys in the chat. Uh, <laughs> like, do you know how low rent that makes you to begin with? And then uh, the they had uh, Don Callis and uh, what's her name, uh, Eva Lise, uh, 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 there, and her audio and video didn't work, so it was just Don vamping and. Um, uh, shooting on the marks that were uh, asking for shout outs in the chat. Uh, Don Callis doing his dime, as you believe you said, <laughs> you put most aptly his dime store Jesse Ventura act. Yes. It's kind, is kind of fun <laughs> on when it's as a color commentator on a wrestling show. But yeah. when, he, when he's like um, insulting the one of the, you know, 5,000 people that are actually watching the show every week. <laughs> That's the thing, like, Twitch is, like, I know it's kind of a thing that's probably passed you by and passed me by to an extent. But, like, Twitch is a giant platform, and they're legitimate, like, millionaires who make a lot of money and have a lot of people that watch their content on that show. But Impact, as you mentioned, is getting, like, 5,000 viewers on their, on, their, on their Twitch streams. And <laughs> of, of those 5,000, how many are really in the chat, like, actively right. Not a lot. talking? Not a lot. So, in that sense, Axis is probably a step up. <laughs> it's a I, step up from whatever the, the Travel Channel or whatever they're on. Yeah, they're on the Pursuit that played the wrong episode a couple <laughs> weeks ago. It's like the second time they've, they've done that, too. Or, no, they played the wrong episode once, and then another time they went to a commercial and just never came back to the show. It's <laughs> 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 great stuff. Um, all right, so a G1 starts... Uh, it kind of starts this weekend. There's the first show, and then there's a week off, and then there's the next show. Next weekend, we get G1 Extreme Rules. Ugh. Mm. Gonna be dead. Um, all right. Bret Hart turned 62 this week. Happy birthday, Bret. And Happy birthday. I know you watched a uh, an old Bret match this week uh, to determine whether or not it still works in 2019. 
Yeah, it was the, uh, I believe Sean Waltman tweeted it out on Monday that it is just about to be, I think it actually aired on television on the 11th of July, but it was taped earlier in the month. So Sean Waltman had tweeted out that it was, I think, 25 years since the Bret Hart versus one, two, three kid match that, uh, aired on, aired on an early edition of Monday Night Raw. And so I went back. And I think I had watched like part of that match. Like I, I turned the network on one day and it was playing on a live stream. So I had seen parts of it recently, but I had not sat down and watched this whole match in a very long time. So I went in and I watched it and it's great. It's still really, really great. And it's a really simple story of the, you know, the veteran top of his game champion wrestling, the, the scrappy underdog undersized guy who's, given it his best shot. And there's also something that struck me while I was watching it, uh, which it just kind of dawned on me, is that the way Brett put his matches together, specifically his big-time like world title matches, is really, really similar to how Okada puts his matches together now. And like that light bulb went off for me. I was like, oh, that's why I love Okada matches, because they're Brett matches. <laughs> It's something that I haven't really thought about. I'll have to keep an eye on. Yeah, but it, it, it just struck me. And, and I think it's also just because they're, they work similar styles and that they're not the, the super flashiest guy, although they do you know, break out some cool moves here and there. And it was, just, it, was, it was also just a really good job by Brett in the sense that the crowd liked Brett a lot more than they liked 1-2-3-Kid. But, <laughs> but by the end of that match... When like when Brett missed an elbow off the second rope and one two three kid went up to the top, the crowd started to buzz because they realized like hey even if we like the other guy better like this is the kid's one shot like if he hits this he might actually win, and it's it a really really great job by by both men and I don't what was I don't know you I don't feel like Randy Savage as the commentator gets a lot of uh, positive reviews yeah he's absolutely fantastic in this match it's him and jim ross are doing the the commentary and it's like nice it's it's macho man it's macho man being macho man but he's doing it in the sense of put he's all he is doing is putting over what great athletes these guys are how hard they're working brett's the fightingest champion of all time the one two three kid is you know as big a threat to the title as brett's ever had uh, when Brett, there's a spot in the match where Brett wins with uh, one, two, three kids foot on the ropes and Brett demands the match be restarted. Mm. And, and Macho Man's like, oh, is like telling Brett he's crazy for doing it and that he should be in the back celebrating right now and getting ready to go out and party. And instead, because he's such a nice guy, he's giving him this other title shot or he's giving him a, a second chance. It's, just yeah, the commentary is great. The match is great. The way the match is put together is great. Just just a great, great, great time. So it's like you know, certain things in wrestling have not aged well, but uh, at least this one particular match aged really, really well. It's it it strikes me, and the more that it's <laughs> it strikes me that. Brett's stuff is going to age much better than Sean's stuff mm. <laughs> because there are 4 million guys now that can do everything Sean could do in terms of moves and more. And, yes. they've, and they've invented a bunch of stuff on top of that since. Whereas the fundamentals of a Brett match 
the fun, you know, the fundamentals of a great match psych- psychologically are always going to be the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. So, uh, I love both guys, both are on my Mount Rushmore. Um, along with Trish Stratus and Sasha Banks. <laughs> the <but> big four. <laughs> naturally. But, uh, and at this Brad- point, I should mention that my Mount Rushmore is uh, just four different versions of Dusty Rhodes. It's <laughs> the greatest thing you've ever said on the show. <laughs> I just, like every fourth day, I think about that and laugh. <laughs> it's great. All right, uh, so have a good uh, 4th of July, everybody, if you're in the United States and you celebrate. I know we have a lot of listeners in Asia, <laughs> and I'm sure are not bots. Happy um, Canada Day. We have a few Canadian listeners. It was yeah. Canada Day this week. That's right. Our neighbors to the north, we love you. Thanks for giving us Trish and Brett in that order. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, all right, anything else you want to get into? No, I think we can uh, wrap it up here. I guess on a one sad note is wrapping up. Uh, Paraguayo Sr. passed away uh, this week very suddenly. And he was a, just a gi- giant legend in, in Mexico. And I think Dave Meltzer uh, mentioned that he was one of probably drew more fans in that country than almost anyone else ever has. So, you know, big loss for the, uh, the Lucha Libre uh, side of things. Obviously, rest in peace. And until next time, I'm Ethan. I'm Liam. And we'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. think about mancini not being an all-star um didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me i mean john means his numbers are very good he deserves to be there too but sure mancini uh certainly should be an all-star it was more just i mean every the comparison everyone kept making was that mookie betts is on the team who's he said like 260 right and Mancini is better than him in like every single offensive category except I think runs scored. 
Right. And like triples or something. But um so yeah, and I and I think there's a couple other play uh, you know players that also had similar offensive stats to Mancini and didn't make it in. So not even necessarily saying it definitely had to be Mancini, but like definitely shouldn't be Mookie Betts. Yeah. But I I also am like a little lost as to how the selection process goes for the reserves anymore because it used to just be the manager picked them right correct and then it was some hybrid of players and managers and now like i think like joe tory is somehow involved in it yeah now it's like the league and players and managers and a fan vote because <laughs> yeah. if it was just like oh alex cora picked <laughs> you bets i'd be like all right yeah whatever that's fine sure right he picked his he picked his guy who is, you know, reigning MVP and all that. That's fine. Whatever. Not a big deal. Big star. Um, but yeah, I just looked at that. Like, Man, that's, first of all, very confusing <laughs> selection process. And yeah, it's like, why don't you just pick, why don't you just have it, since you do the fan vote, why don't you just have like everybody that comes in like second and third, however many up to like however, however big the rosters are for, I'll start game. Why don't they just win? And then managers, I mean, managers still pick the pitchers and everything. So, or whoever picks the pitchers, picks the pitchers. So you could just do so that people that go and fan vote, I guess maybe then some teams would probably get no players. If you just did 100% fan voting, but right. Obviously John means would not make the, uh, or, or probably Mancini wouldn't make the all-star team if it was all left up to fan voting, but I don't know, man. It's just, the other part of this is that, uh, much like Halls of Fame, uh, the All-Star Game has a problematic name. Uh, <laughs> in that, well, Mookie Betts is certainly a bigger star than Trey Mancini. And oh, I'm sure, sure that 90% of baseball fans uh, would rather see Mookie Betts play than Trey Mancini play. Just because, rightly or wrongly, for whatever reason, Mookie Betts is a star and Trey Mancini is not. Sure. Uh, but... The way that the selection process has gone our entire lives is that it's whoever's having the best season, not who's the biggest star. Right. (laughs) And it's so stupid. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. (sighs) I think my greatest takeaway from this is they were very bad at naming uh, achievements in the uh, the 1930s and 40s. Everything's about fame and being a star. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was named by like some real like shyster Hollywood <laughs> agent. Right. <laughs> I did see a stat that Mancini has like more hits to this point in his career as an Oriole than like Manny, uh, Cal, and like three or four other like at least Oriole Hall of Famer types. Like man, that guy just hits. Yeah, that's other than like that last, you know, the first half of last year. Yeah, that's that's the only time in his professional career he hasn't hit. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Cal was a career like two sixty seven hitter or something, or he might have ended up at like two seventy one or something. I forget, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) Manny's probably like a two eighty hitter here, something like that. Manny's a three hundred hitter. Like, yeah, that's what he does.
I try to keep on keeping on.